Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is reliable and that it truly reflects your will for our lives. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to proclaim your word today uh, boldly and faithfully and help us all to live out your word in our lives. We thank you and praise you. And we pray, Lord God, for uh, the United Kingdom's current quest for a new prime minister. Uh, we pray that the right person, uh, the person you know would do the best job, will get into that post uh, to lead our government righteously and honorably. Um, we commit that to you now. But help me to preach your word now. In Christ's name, amen. In Proverbs chapter 20, we read, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. And then flip over to chapter 27 in Proverbs. Reading verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of of an enemy. Then to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, starting with verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And finally, to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Picking up with verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, the headlines just continue to feed into our, our series here talking about leadership and, and who should be the next leader. A few weeks ago, we were hearing about Michael Gove trying uh, cocaine when he apparently was in, I think, his early 30s or so. Uh, and uh, the question came up, you know, can somebody who is a drug user really be qualified uh, to be a future member of parliament, especially if they've done that as, as an adult, you know, made that kind of choice? And some people think that it probably cost him a few votes along the way. And then most recently, we have the whole issue that uh, has arisen in the last week or so about the police being called to another uh, prime ministerial candidate's home uh, or for some kind of row going on. 
and the refusal of that candidate to answer any questions about this and, and the debate about does this qualify or disqualify somebody for leadership? Does this make somebody more suited to be prime minister or less suited to be prime minister? Or is it a completely different issue? Is it completely unrelated to the job that somebody might do in public office, what happens in their private lives? And it can be very difficult for us to navigate these questions as Christians and come out with an answer. Because most of the time, what we tend to do, we tend to get a very, uh, have a very knee-jerk reaction to these kinds of things. We get caught up in the headlines, we get caught up in what's being reported, uh, and we tend to take things as, at face value, even though we all know that they're highly manipulated, uh, and we don't know exactly how to respond, we don't know how, exactly the framework to use. And part of what we're doing here in this sermon series is actually giving people a framework to use for discerning who should be a leader, especially a leader in their lives. Who should they trust as a leader? Who do they need to follow as a leader? And this can work just as well for choosing a pastor of a church as it does for choosing a prime minister, or choosing a president, or choosing a member of parliament, or choosing a head teacher, or choosing the next CEO of your company. These qualities are there, these qualities matter and one of the most important qualities of anybody who wants to be a leader biblically is faithfulness. Faithfulness. We looked last week at integrity, and faithfulness in one sense is a function of your integrity, but faithfulness in another sense is, goes even beyond your integrity. And the framework that we want to approach this from is that there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is being challenged in his leadership. Some people in Corinth are saying, well, I'm following Apollo. Some people say, well, I'm following Peter. And other people say, well, I'm following Jesus. And they have this kind of debate going on. And, and Paul is entering that debate. And part of the reason why he's writing is to defend his leadership, to defend his apostleship, but he makes some very striking comments here. He says that you know, he has been uh, given the, the, the ability or, or the calling to be a steward of the mysteries of God. And he goes on and says, moreover, it is required of all stewards that they be found faithful. In order to understand this idea of faithfulness, we must begin by understanding that every leadership is nothing more than a stewardship. The next prime minister is not really leading the country in any meaningful way. The next prime minister is functioning as a steward of the role of prime minister that has functioned for several hundreds of years. The next prime minister functions as a steward of the United Kingdom, as a steward of our parliamentary democracy, as a steward of good governance, as a steward of the welfare of this nation. They don't own the welfare of the nation, although they can make a big difference in the welfare of the nation, but whoever the next prime minister is, the United Kingdom did quite well for oh, almost a couple thousand years, well, even before it was the United Kingdom, well, let's say London did quite well for a couple thousand years without this person. And I imagine that if God delays his coming again, London will go on just fine after this person is gone. 
it really has been helpful for me to be part of a church that's almost 400 years old because I realized that I didn't start the church. I haven't maintained the church. I'm just here for a season as the leader of the church serving as a steward of the life of this congregation. A CEO coming into a business, even if the CEO starts that business, is nothing more than a steward of that business. If it's an effective business, the day will come when the CEO steps down or dies and somebody else will hopefully take over that business and steward it in a responsible way. And we can see all around us situations where people have, re- have stewarded their business in a healthy way and the business has grown and where people have been very poor stewards of their business and the business has collapsed. And it's a drama played out in the marketplace every single day. So we need to understand that every leader, whether they're the prime minister, whether they're the, a head teacher, whether they're the head of the NHS, whether they are a pastor of a church, uh, or even the head of a family, every leader must understand that they are never really more than a steward. God is the owner. It belongs to them. Or uh, if you say in kind of a modern political theory kind of concept, the people of a nation are the owners and the government of that nation are called to be the stewards and we see all around us in our world today situations where people who are governing nations don't function as stewards and instead they function as takers getting all that they can for themselves uh, using it for their own benefit using it for their own Uh, aggrandizement and not using it for the benefit of the people and we all recognize there's something fundamentally in error about that there's something fundamentally wrong about that so we begin by understanding that all leaders are stewards and then Paul says it is required that all stewards are faithful that they all are faithful faithfulness means that they are exercising their stewardship in a way that promotes the well-being of those that they are serving, in a government's case, the people, uh, and in a way that reflects God's idea for how that stewardship should be exercised. So in faithfulness, we have a responsibility to the people we lead as well as a responsibility to God to ensure that we are exercising our stewardship for their well-being, not for our well-being. We have a responsibility to know that we're exercising our stewardship for their benefit, not for our benefit. That's part of being faithful. Part of being faithful as well as being loyal. It's looking after the details. It's making sure that you are standing close and standing by the people who are around you, the people who are close to you, making sure that you're giving them the appropriate respect and the the appropriate honor. It means conducting yourself with integrity on a day-by-day basis. And the problem is that there are a lot of people, as Proverbs says, that will say, hey, You know, I I, I really love this nation. I really love this business. I really love this church. You know, many people will proclaim 
their steadfast love. And the word steadfast love is their covenant faithfulness. You know, many people will say, hey, I'm doing my job well. I'm doing my job right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That is very common. There are very few people that will come up and hold their hand up and say, no, you know, I really messed this up. Oh, actually, I've been very lazy. I've been serving myself. You know, many people, almost everybody will say, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. But who can find a genuinely faithful person? In other words, Solomon is saying here that truly faithful people are hard to come by. So we need to be watching out for them. And how do we know a truly faithful person? Well, we know a truly faithful person. We go down to the next verse and seeing a person who is walking in righteousness according to their integrity. The quality that we looked at last week. So if we see somebody walking in integrity who seems to be doing a good job, then perhaps we have found a faithful person. But that brings us back to the question of, okay, well, is there a disconnect between a person's private life and a person's public life? Are they the same? Can a person be publicly faithful and privately unfaithful? Can a person be faithful in the big issues of life in the world and unfaithful in the little things of life? And that's what takes us there to the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has just been talking about a dishonest manager who had failed in his faithfulness but had turned things around for himself uh, at the very last minute. And then uh, he says, kind of gives this summary to his disciples. He says this, verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. The test of genuine faithfulness is not what you do in the big things, it's what you do in the small things. The test of genuine faithfulness is not how you conduct yourself just in the public eye, but also how you conduct yourself privately. The test of faithfulness is in the small details. Now, if you're willing to cheat somebody out of 10 pounds, then you'll be willing to cheat them out of a million pounds. The difference is not in the size. If you are not faithful in the way that you conduct your private finances, then you cannot be relied on to be faithful in the way that you conduct public finances. This is what Jesus is saying here. And so the key dynamic we need to be looking for in our leaders is are they faithful in the small things, not in the big things. If somebody's not faithful to honor their spouse, how would they be faithful to honor their colleagues? If someone mistreats his wife privately, he cannot possibly be trusted to treat women generally well. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, the stuff of the world, then who can trust you with the big moral issues of life? 
It's another way of looking at this. It's what he's saying here. If you're not dealt well with the things of the world, how can you take the moral high road? How can you set a moral example publicly if you're a moral failure privately? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Now this might, in, in modern parlance, it's a question of if, uh, if you're the vice president in a company and you have not been faithful in the way you've conducted yourself as a vice president, how can you possibly be trusted to be president? You can't. If you are a worker and you have not been faithful in doing your duties, how can you possibly be trusted to be faithful if you're made a manager? You cannot. If you're in government, if you haven't been faithful serving the one who is the prime minister, how can you be faithful being prime minister? It's a challenging thing. Now please, do not, do not misunderstand. I'm not advocating one candidate over another here. But I'm saying we need as Christians to learn how to ask these deeper questions. Because no one will, be, will, will serve two masters. You cannot serve, let me rephrase what Jesus says here in a sense, you cannot serve yourself and your own selfish desires and your own selfish dreams and also serve the best for other people. Faithfulness is required of anyone who wants a stewardship. And we always make a mistake in trusting somebody who has not been faithful in little things to be faithful in big things. At the same time, if we watch a person's personal faithfulness, doesn't mean that they'll be a perfect leader. Might mean at the end of the day that they're a failure. But we can begin to trust that they might be a better leader. We can trust that they might have the characteristics we're looking for. And obviously Jesus, as in all things, is our example here. He is the best leader. He is the one who has been faithful to us and has set the example of faithfulness for us. Let's pray. Father God, we do pray for the United Kingdom's search for another prime minister. And uh, we do pray, Lord, that you give the people of the conservative party wisdom as they vote, that you'd guide them by your Holy Spirit and help them to make the best decisions possible. And we pray that you'd have mercy on our nation. And we pray that you'd help every area of our society have leaders who are faithful, who have integrity, who can lead us in godly, righteous ways so that the welfare of our nation and everyone in it is promoted. And help us, Lord, be faithful as well. In Jesus' name, amen.